It sounds like a stripper's name. <laughs> Spice Milan? No, you know what it is? It sounds like Ice Spice in a New Era. His full title is His Excellency President for Life. Field Marshal. I am Isander. And I am Coda. And thank you for tuning into this episode of the pod. Today we're going to be covering Dune and let's get into it. All right. Start off, I'm so very happy to be talking about Dune finally. Um, I'm glad y'all are here to watch Dune. Uh, um, just to start, I, I just want to know how you guys doing? Oh, God, we're five seconds in. Oh, God, we're five seconds in. I did not foresee that you'd be putting puns in. The, just, just go. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. So this video is going to be more like a, a discussion time to bring uh, people up to speed on like what's been happening, what has happened in the history of Dune, just to bring people up to speed to where they should be for Dune Part 2. Everything so you need to know for This is everything movie. you need to know for Dune Part 2, because mm -hmm. the trailer released like two, three weeks ago. As of recording. As of recording, and I got so excited for it, but like we were just in the middle of the Warhammer kick, and I'm not going to go, let me do Dune right now, let me do Dune right now. So we're doing it now. Um, to start off with, Dune is not a fun universe to live in. Sounds familiar. It sucks. It really sucks. Uh, space travel is a whole thing. Sounds familiar. It's not always a success, and it kind of sucks to do either way. Um, you're either in the universe, you're either a citizen who is at the whims of whatever royal or whatever corporation is currently uh, holding the planet you're on, or you're a royal who needs to worry about being poisoned 24-7. Like, this is a universe where so much poisoning happens, they have two different words for whether or not you've been poisoned by food or drink. Chalmurky or uh, uh, Chalmus, respectively. Um, there's no form of computing technology in this universe. None at all. No calculators, no computers. No TI-84s? No TI-84s. They actually, they actually have people who do the calculating for you. Which, I would say, there's goods and bads to the no computers. Because on one thing... No TikTok. There's no TikTok, which is real good. And... Joking, we love you. <laughs> but, like, you also can't do, like, space flight calculations at all so it becomes a little bit of like what do we do where do we go we're kind of just firing our engines blindly into the void but also in the same in the same vein like you don't have any league of legends anymore so i'd say no computing technology is pretty good sometimes um this is a very important fact that you need to like continue to keep in mind when you're thinking about dune or you're like reading the books no computing technology at all. It, it literally feeds into every single aspect of the Dune universe. This will lead us into our first important event in the Dune universe, the Butlerian Jihad. The Butlerian Jihad is, it but. was, I hate you. Yeah, God, you're hitting me with the puns now. Oh, yes. Ugh. The Jihad was a hundred year long crusade from Every major religious group in the universe at that time against every single, they just said anything that thinks, anything that does math or behaves like a person. If it can do anything more than one plus one is two, it's gone. Destroy it, burn it. And then 
kill anyone on site who decides to keep him around. Pope Francis got tired of the drippy mid-journey art. <laughs> enough is enough. No, actually, really. Um, Which, God, have you seen the complete distraction? I, have you seen the drippy Pope with the puffy jacket? I love the drippy. And just the iced out cross. I thought it was real for a second. It's so good. <laughs> I was. It's so good. I wanted it so bad. Yeah, no, I, I saw that and I'm like, I want to buy the Pope's fit. I could crush that. I could kill it. That's so dumb. Ugh. Anyway. Oh, I might appear. Oh, I might. Oh, I'm not gonna promise that, but it might appear. Maybe one episode. I'll have to. I'll have to do some reading. See if this is okay on a religious level. <laughs> but I might show up, drippy pope, one day. I hate that. Anyway, back to the, the butler. I, I don't know if it's gonna damn me for eternity if I do that. Some some reading will need to be done. Ugh. Back to the butler and jihad. Not a lot is known about what happened before it, what historical events happened at all before the jihad, because everything was recorded on computers. Uh, when they destroyed all the computers, all of the historical texts are gone. And also, Frank Herbert died before he could write any books before the jihad. So it's really up to speculation. My personal theory... Uh, the before the jihad was not a good time to be in for kind of opposite reasons. Uh, similar to like, if you've played Horizon Zero Dawn, you know, everybody just started relying on the machines. And so everything was being done by the machines. So my personal theory is uh, um, they just got lazy. And so they were doing absolutely nothing. Like war was being done by the machines. Everything was done by the machines, and everybody turned into the hedonism bot from Futurama. Fair. Yeah, so it was just not a good time. This lasted until one day, a couple guys decided, from the moment I understood the weakness of my flesh, I was disgusted by it. Oh, boy. And so, if I remember correctly, nine, nine guys decided, hey, let's fuse with the machines and see what happens. So they fused with the machines, and they took over everything. They all named themselves after different historical figures and said, hey, we're going to take over the universe. Now, the unfortunate bit is these nine guys weren't very smart, and they were also quite lazy. They decided, this is a really cool machine body I just put myself in. It's got a lot of guns, but I don't want to do much running of the the universe that we just took, so I'm going to make that robot over there do it. And they accidentally gave a uh, a janitorial robot way too much executive power. And the janitorial robot looked them all in their collective eyes and said, look at me. I am the captain now. The janitor took over? The janitor bot took over. That's so stupid. And so that cascaded into 900 years of hell for all of humanity. Because of a janitor gone rogue? Because a janitor bot went rogue. To be fair, I've seen the way people treat janitors. <laughs> it's awful. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, to be fair, the, the, the random power-hungry machine people decided, eh, we're lazy, give, give him more power, he can do more. And he just said, you know what? You guys are making me run the place already. I'm a machine. I know your body is better than you do because you turned yourselves into machines. I'm just going to take you over. And he brought them all to their needs and just subjected all of humanity good for the janitor come ups <laughs> started from the bottom <laughs> now we're here so yeah 
For 900 years, it was all like that until one robot accidentally murders the wrong father of a noble family. And the daughter of this guy says, enough is enough. The bullying stops now. And she gets every single religious group together. That's a mad (laughs) reference. Jesus. She gets every single religion together and says, look at that machine. Kill it. Kill it all. There it's the Butlerian Jihad. The three families who are the biggest settler or the biggest players in the Butlerian Jihad are obviously the Butler family. <laughs> There's an image going of Ron Swanson showing uh, shoving a computer into a dumpster right now. Um there's the, the, the Butler family, and then the two others that keep these names in mind, the Harkonnen and the Atreides family. These are the three big players in the Butlerian Jihad who make everything work. And at the end, when you know they finally finished everything and the dust has settled, those three families are kind of congratulated by the rest of the universe, by the rest of humanity, saying, oh, thank you for saving us from the robots. And the Butler family is like, there's one of them, there's one of us, and it's just me. And so she marries into the Harkonnen family, and instead of keeping either of their last names, they start the Corino family. These three names are now important. Remember, Atreides, Harkonnen, and a Carino family. They sound like either tech or insurance companies. They really do sound like... Harkonnen, when your house gets taken by a hurricane, (laughs) call Harkonnen. I hate that. After this... Atreides sounds like a car company. I hate that. After this... Atreides, racing is in our DNA. I hate you so much. It does. It does. After this, humanity started to expand outwards under the advisement of a couple navigators in the corner who were like, I found some cool stuff out there. Let's expand. Let's go get it. And so under the new feudal empire led by the Carino family, a a new feudal system has been birthed from the the ashes of the Butlerian Jihad. Speaking of new horizons being blazed by some upstarts, we have a Patreon. And it is how we keep all the lights on in here, quite a few of them, and continue to upload for you guys while upping our production quality. If you guys want to help us out with that, you'd get a bonus episode every week, access to the Discord, and priority voting on all fan-submitted content. So if you want to help us run the show, please click the link in the show notes or the description down below, or go to patreon.com slash Coda. If you do this, think about this as um, your good deed. This is, this is your good deed. Somewhere up there, there is somebody who is smiling down at you for this. Because you helped a small business. You helped two people chase the dream. So if you want to help us do that, and if you already are, thank you very much. If you want to help us, please join in and you get to join all the awesome names at the end of the episode. And we're blazing our way to 500 patrons. If we get there, we send out a third limited edition patch only going to those first 500 or so, which we are at 350 right now. So if you want in on that, please head on over to the Patreon. Last thing, you guys are already awesome about this. I don't need to say this, but like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell button. The universe hates long-form content. It just does. So the only way it keeps recommending it is if you guys do it, watch it through, binge the rest of the stuff. 
It really does help. We're on the way to 10,000 subs by the summer. We're very close. We are at 8.5 at the time of recording. I think we're going to do it, but we need your help. We can only do so much. We'll keep producing these awesome videos. We'll keep making topics you like, but we need you to keep watching. We need you to keep subbing. We need you to keep proselytizing. We need to give the Mormons a run for their money. Jesus. I I'm talking door-to-door -door hello. My name is Elder Blank. <laughs> Have you heard about Isandra and Coda? That's what I need from you. That's the energy I need from you guys. The energy we need from you guys. And I know you have that in you. So please, run it up. Now let's get back to the episode. Out of the fires and the chaos of the Butlerian Jihad, and after people have started to move outwards, some some fun gals calling themselves the Bene Gesserit come together, and they start doing some secret stuff. As well as a new corporation, the Chome Corporation. That's an acronym. It's a weird acronym that... Chome. Combine. C H O A M? Yes. Oh, Combine okay. Honet over Advancer Mercantiles? Yeah, it's. He it's, just put words together, my God. It literally is just words together. It meaningless. No, no meaning to any of the words. It's the Chome Corporation. Just remember the Chome Corporation. They are important. Uh, think of them as Intergalactic Wall Street. Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Um, very soon after the Jihad, That's humanity like was having... They have an amazing logo. Jesus. <laughs> must They have an amazing logo. They're going to be up and or linked in the show notes for you guys. They have some stellar logos. Th Jesus. Th that, that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, very soon after the Jihad, humanity was having a little bit of trouble with the whole space flight thing. Because like I said, they didn't have computers anymore. So they were kind of just firing faster than light rockets into the void of space. Uh, it didn't end well for one out of eight spaceships, and they were firing these spaceships out rapid fire. So it was not a fun time. It also, it was, it, it was difficult to manage all of the engines and stuff because these were, they're called space folders. They literally fold space, and operating that without a computer was it? Task. How is that literally? It, it can't be possible. Yeah. Well, they did it. Just one out of eight of them would just explode. The math involved in bending. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Suspension. Ex exactly. Disbelief suspended. Then, out of nowhere, a small desert planet that out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody who cared about this thing is randomly discovered to have this thing called the Spice Melange. It's very nerdy. I get it. No, it sounds like a stripper's name. <laughs> Spice Melange? Spice Melange. Or, no, you know what it is? It sounds like Ice Spice in a New Era. <laughs> Spice Melange. It sounds like an album she'd put out. Ice Spice Melange. It sounds like a full name. So, the Spice Melange is discovered... <laughs> Go on. The spice is discovered to be like a weird mind-altering substance, so mind-destroying that it gave certain people in certain doses the power of prescience, which means they could see through space. They could experience all of space at once for just a second. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like you'd go mad if you did that for more than five seconds. Pops. Yeah, it drove a couple people mad at first, but... 
the navigators, the guys I talked about earlier, they took to this real quickly because they're like, wait, I can see through space for a second. That means I can plan a route. If I get high enough off this spice stuff, I can plan a route through space. And so they were no longer firing their space folders in random directions, thus increasing the speed of human expansion across the universe probably tenfold. It, it was a huge deal for them. They became incredibly reliant on the spice, so, I mean, they couldn't navigate without it anymore, so mm. they, just, they just kept hucking it at their navigators. But, you know, people could go places now. Fast forward another 10,000 years, and the galaxy is still in a quite a bit of turmoil. The Empire is extremely stratified with two st- only two strata of being something and being not something. Like I said earlier, you're either a royal or you're not, and it sucks either way. It's very binary. How does it suck to be... Oh, no, yeah, the constant assassinations. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the navigators from earlier are now have a constant, absolute monopoly on all space travel. They're the only people who can do it. Oh, and period. anybody else who tries to do space travel, they just kill. Oh, wow. They just kill. Um, they're also in cahoots with the Chum Corporation, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, and Chum is Space Wall Street. They have a monopoly on all trade. Everything. That's a bit more than Space Wall Street. <laughs> That's a bit more than Space there Wall Street. There are a whole lot. And they're both rigging, they're actively rigging the game and each other's favor and their own it's kind of bad for everybody else the carino family the they've been running the empire for this entire ten thousand years they're pretty broadly ineffectual at dealing with the chome corporation and the spacing guild they just kind of live life they just like neutral neutral players they just exist basically it's almost it's almost a like trophy position it's not even a real thing almost they still gain all they have a lot of like political power but like chome and the spacing guild are running everything house harkonnen has been given fiefdom of arrakis that's that weird desert planet i mentioned a second ago my dune my my arrakis my desert you're so simple i love that i love that bit um and they're squeezing the planet for every ounce of spice they can get out of it with no regard for health or safety of the people who had been living there for about 10,000 years before they were even there. It's not a good time for them. Um, If all that wasn't enough for Emperor Carino, you know, dealing with all of these random children running about, and, like, the people upstairs who are like, hey, my my shares, think about the shareholders. Please, won't somebody think about the shareholders? The House of Atreides, who's been relatively small, I mean, they've they've got, you know, social standing from being a part of the Jihad. They're getting even more of it. They're not big army-wise. They're not the richest house in this this feudal society, but they're friends with everyone. Atreides, right? The Atreides. The Atreides are friends with everyone in the, the, the... broader uh, uh empire which they call the landsrad is the the gathering of all of the different houses into it, it's basically congress mm-hmm. or no it's more like the house of lords the current empire shaddam the fourth he's really scared of this he's really scared of this he doesn't 
want to lose his power at all because his family has held it for 10,000 years. Why would I be the person to lose it? I don't want to lose this. Mm -hmm. And so he is kind of like iffy about Atreides and their growth. He's not liking it. He's not liking what he's looking at over there. It's not, it's not a, not a fun, fun time. But outside all of this, humanity is kind of settled into another stagnant pattern of not doing anything. They're not really expanding anything more. They're not really growing their minds in any way. They've settled into the same routine of like, oh, assassinate that royal. Oh, assassinate back that royal. Uh, somebody's threatening the Empire again. Off with their heads. The Harkonnen are doing the thing. It is what it is. It's mm-hmm. the same same patterns um and with that we're brought into the modern era of dune and the first book and movie right and movie so let's establish the players in those movies the atreides are an incredibly noble house my favorite quote there is no call they do not answer there is no faith that they betray they are In a galaxy of subterfuge, political espionage, assassination, and endless power grabs, they're one of the few honorable houses in the universe who aim to break the endless chain of backstabbing by stabbing you in the front instead. I can respect that. (laughs) As the name implies, they are actual descendants of the ancient Greek king Agamemnon. And that is, no, that is for real. They are just, and this is a trend you'll notice. How are they keep, I thought there were no records before computers. Is this the only record that survived? It's, I guess it's either the only record that survived, it's a legend, or there was one of the leaders in the, one of the machine guys in the Butlerian Jihad who named himself Agamemnon. And then he had an Atreides son. So maybe it's from that line? Or maybe, maybe it is the ancient Greek? Maybe it's I both? Agamemnon was Persian. Oh, my hits. No, he's Greek. I'm going to get corrected for that one. Just like the ancient Greeks, they're really good at philosophy, political theory, and society building. However, just like the Greeks, they're really good at doing war. They are constantly training and keeping up building a sizable army. Again, not the biggest one, but it's still really good it's respectable one of the characters that really characterizes the philosophy of the atreides is the old duke his hobby was bullfighting oh oh yeah i remember the movie yeah he did it constantly so much so that it killed him he died charging headlong directly into the horns of a bull cool right good symbol instead of you know ordering himself medical treatment he said that bull killed me um, you know, it, it, that was fair. That was fair. I shouldn't have charged directly into it. However, this is going to be a symbol. Cut that thing's head off. Don't give me medical treatment. Preserve the blood on its horns and hang it over the mantle in our helm. And so now that bull's head is sitting on the Atreides mantle. Blood still on its horns. Preserved perfectly. Just standing there as a reminder of what the old Duke was like. So that is that is the entire philosophy of the House Atreides. They will fight you frequently, but they will fight you honorably. And if they die, if they they realize this isn't it, I'm not going to win this, they'll make sure they'll go out 
in the hugest way possible in a story that will go on for generations. Blaze of glory. Blaze of glory. Their home planet is Caladan. It is a lush, almost paradise world with huge oceans. Think like Earth 2.0, but they added about 20% more oceans. And this patch, we added 20% more ocean. It will be a far, far different environment from the place they're going. Um, that That's why I need to mention that. Um, like I said, they played a role in the Butlerian Jihad. They have a lot of huge social standing. But... Living members at the beginning of the first book are Leto Atreides. He is the son of the old Duke, and he is the current Duke of the House Atreides. Uh, He's been the driving force behind their success in the... What? What are you smiling about? The new Duke, now with 30% less bullhorn. Oh, Jesus. I mean, accurate, but Jesus. Introducing New Duke. New Duke. Yeah. New Duke. Go on. Um, he's been the driving force behind their uh, success in the past couple of years. He's been part of the reason why they've been making so many friends in the Landsrad. He's a pretty cool dude. Um, he considers himself a friend to the current Emperor Shaddam, even if the Emperor still feels he's threatened by the Atreides' growing power. Never outshine the Master, yeah. And he really hates the, Arco- the Harkonnen. I mean, that's a trend among the Atreides' house, but he really hates the Harkonnen. Why? They've been feuding since the Butlerian Jihad. Was it one of those beefs like, oh, I, I don't even know why we're doing this anymore. My dad hated your dad, so we're just going to keep this. Yeah, but also, we'll talk about the Harkonnen in a second. Okay. They're not the coolest guys. Okay, fair enough. Um, Then there is Jessica. She's technically not an Atreides because... Uh, Jessica and Leto aren't married. She's only the royal concubine. But, but, they have such a close relationship that they're very, basically married in, in, in personality. Spirit. They're married in spirit, yeah. Um, Leto doesn't take a wife for political reasons because you're dangling the, the carrot in front of the rest of the houses of the Landsrad that, hey, you could marry into this family. It's really good, but he's also vowed to Jessica, I will literally never do that. I love you too much for that. So, it's exclusive. They're not married exclusively for political reasons. She's also a Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit are those weird... Those, they're, they're the weird gals that I told you about earlier. Mm-hmm. They um, have weird secret powers over people. <clears throat> like, they have this thing called the voice where they can just, like, speak at you, and then suddenly you do whatever they told you to do. Come here. That's the voice. Um, they also have a couple other weird powers, um, which leads me into Paul. Paul is the son of of Leto Atreides and Jessica. Of one played by Chalamet. The one played, well, by Chalamet, and I can't remember the dude who plays him in 1984. It is so irrelevant. It's, I mean, it's so unfortunate that whoever that is will always be outshined. At least that guy. Now, the hilarious thing is, in Dune 1984, Paul is 15. Does that look like a 15-year-old? That looks like when Netflix needs a 15-year-old and it's like a grown man. Yeah. Paul is 15 at the time of the first book. Paul wasn't supposed to be Paul. If anything, Paul was supposed to be Pauline. Um, 
Jessica was ordered, hey, you need to have a daughter because we have some... You need to. Big the, I don't think I control this. The, Be- the Benny Gesserit do. Oh, wow. Okay, never mind. I do control this. Yeah. This was like in real life where you're just shouting at your wife, have a boy, a big man. I can't control this. No, no, this. no, no. The Benny Gesserit told Jessica, you're going to have a daughter and you're going to like it. And then, and then Jessica fell like deeply in love with Leto. And she's like, I'm gonna have a. I'm gonna have a boy instead. They can just decide. That's wild. They can just decide. They have that power. The, they, the Benny Gesserit. Can they choose like twins, triplets, quintuplets, octomom it up? I'm not sure. Mm. I don't think so. Okay. But, can they choose height? Like, how much control are we talking here? Uh, okay. No. It's, are they like a slider level of control, or can they just choose one option? I think it's a little bit of a slider, but it still depends. Okay. Like you still have to have like a compatible partner to get like like you can't you can't you can't <sighs> You can't have a kid with someone who's like four, four, three, and then say, "Oh, yeah, the I let's turn chat. the height slider up, and it, they're six one now." Like that doesn't happen. There are limits. Okay. There are limits. But it's like you could make them as tall as they possibly could be, like reasonably. Fair, yeah. Fair, fair, yeah. Fair, fair. Um. Even later in the books, it's described that you can affect their personality too. Ooh, that's a bit too much control. That is a quite a bit too much control. Ah, Tiger Mom times ten. Could it you doesn't imagine? go well. Mm. It doesn't go well. Um. Anyway, Paul is currently the heir, the heir to House Atreides. He's he's got a lot riding on him, and since he was also born as a guy instead of a girl, uh, the Bene Gesserit. He's kind of thrown a wrench into the Bene Gesserit's plan because the Bene Gesserit were going to have Paul marry into the Harkonnens. So their their whole like long term genetic thing they can't do anymore because of him. Dang, they planned out the marriage. Okay, sure. they literally planned out the marriage of every single royal for the past ten thousand years. So how are they not actually in charge? Uh, if they have that level of like, fun reasons, we'll get into later. Fair. They've been working towards it, but fun reasons we'll get to later. Let them cook, I suppose. He is, he's been trained by Leto's closest compatriots, Duncan Idaho and Gurney Halleck, and that is an important note because he has close relationships with the two. Idaho, yeah, Duncan Idaho and Gurney Halleck. <sighs> okay, so the creative juices stopped right there. Yeah. That's where they ended. Some honorable mentions who are not biological members of the Atreides family, but they're important because they're very close to the family. Thufir Hawat, he's the house Mentat and a good friend to both Leto and Paul. Mentats are the human computers I told you about because they don't have digital computers. They have people do all the math. I was thinking Fallout, but that works too. No, they're, they're just, they're just, they're, they're so big brains and they also do a lot of drugs that they do math real quick. Thufir Hawat is also ancient. He is old. old? So old. Like, I can't remember his exact age, but the book will bring it up that he's like, just ancient every time it can. Um, Then there's Duncan Idaho. Silly name, but... He's silly cool, McSilly, I guess. Silly McSilly name. Silly McSilly name. Um, he's Just a very, wild. very close compatriot to Leto, and he's a he's a very, very, very good swordsman, and he also makes for a good diplomat for the 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 Fremen later on. So he's he's an overall cool dude. 
he gives like Paul like moral advice. He's the moral compass. Um, Gurney Halleck, imagine a bard from D and D, but instead of being really, really like silver-tongued, smooth talker, like suddenly wants to have relations with a dragon, he's very angry. Gurney Halleck is angry, angry all the time. He was rescued from the Harkonnens when he was a teenager, and he really, really hates them, especially Rabon. The reason being is uh, Rabon killed his sister really, really bad, and um, he also... There's this scar that, that Gurney Halleck has down his face. Oh, I know who he is in the movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. The, the, the weird scar is caused by something called Inkvine, which permanently, like, in the books it's described, instead of that weird, like, cut scar, it's, like, permanently stained black, and it causes him pain 24-7. Lovely. Very lovely. So, he doesn't like Rabon, because Rabon did, you know, the whole killing his sister thing, and put the Inkvine scar there. Not fun. Um... He's also a really, really good swordsman, but he's better than Duncan Idaho. Again, they both train Paul. They, they have to have two swordsmen, I guess. I don't know why. But Gurney is cool because he's also the bard. Idaho says of him, he could be killing you while he was singing and he'll never miss a note. Oh, dang. Yeah. Adele, okay. Adele. Yeah. Adele with a broadsword. Basically. Um, And then the last character in the House of Trades, Dr. Wellington Yue. God, he really ran out of steam when I came to this section. Jeez. He's the uh, personal the doctor. <laughs> the names have gone off the rails. He's the personal house doctor for House of Trades, and he is something called a souk doctor. Basically, they're conditioned by the Empire to be supremely loyal. Because, you know, they're paranoid. Oh, I'm going to get poisoned including by my doctor. So these guys, their conditioning is they have the Hippocratic Oath beat into their head and then they are like fiercely loyal to whoever they're assigned, whatever house they're assigned to. Your last test before you graduate medical school, locked in a room with Mike Tyson as he recites the Hippocratic Oath at you. Pretty much. You have one hour. Pretty much. (laughs) Again, I cannot stress enough. They are fiercely loyal they will not do anything to harm the house they're assigned to. Oh, dang. Keep that in mind. Okay. Um, There's a lot to keep in mind so far. <laughs> then there is House Harkonnen. Okay. I mentioned them earlier. The Harkonnen are ruthless. They, are, they will do anything they need to do to get as much power and money as they possibly can. Part of it is because, you know, the story needs a bad guy or something. The other part of it is they spent a significant amount of time being incredibly broke in terms of the Landsrad. Broke boy, broke boy. Yeah, that's them. And so they don't want to do that again. Um, They are master manipulators of people and markets. And again, they will do whatever they can to win both of those things over. Their homeworld is Yeti Prime, and they have industrialized it so much, the planet is near unlivable. It is extremely toxic. It's bad for your health. It's so not good. Cannot stress that enough. The living members, as of the first book, are Baron Vladimir Horakonin. 
He is a massive sociopath in the literal definition you know, of the word. He's huge. I've seen him in the movie. He does not care how anybody else feels. He does not care about anybody else's lives. He is just out to get power. He is just out for pleasure. He will do whatever it takes to get both of those things. At the start of the first book, he is the current owner of the fiefdom of Arrakis. And again, he's milking that for all it's worth, collecting as much spice as he can. Also, another detail that needs to be mentioned, he has gorged himself so much that he's like the size of five people put together. Yeah, quite large. And he needs to be like floated around with suspensor belts. (sighs) Which is why you see that weird scene in Dune 2021 where he kind of looks like a worm where he floats up and says, my Arrakis, my desert, my Dune. He's not a worm. He's floating. Fair. Um, Then there is Glossu Rabon Harkonnen. And there goes the creative steam. The weird names are strong in this, this series. Uh, he Why is there go- no Greg Harkonnen? I wish there was a Greg Harkonnen, but no, they've got the a weird Stephen names. Stephen Harkonnen. <laughs> Jason Atreides. He goes by either Raban or simply the Beast. Let's see that. He's a sadist, but he's kind of dumb. He doesn't really care about anything other than I just want to like beat the crap out of you and have fun doing it. So uh, that's what he'll do. He won't engage in any uh, political intrigue or anything like that. Any economic manipulation. That's all his uncle Vlad. He is at current the governor of Arrakis. He's running the show while Vladimir... Okay, sure. The the reason being is they just wanted to like incite fear in everybody on Arrakis. So they just put the dude who beat the crap out of everybody there. That would work. And he established fear. It worked. Um... He's just a tool for Vladimir. He's so dumb that Harkonnen, like Vladimir Harkonnen's just like, well, I'll use you for what you're worth and then that'll be it. Mm-hmm. Which is a trend among a lot of people who interact with Vlad. Um, then there's Fade Rotha Harkonnen. Jeez, man. The names continue to get stupid. We need like a... like a. F- Let's go on. Fade Rotha, he's like a mini Vlad... The only difference is uh, Fade likes attention more than Vlad does. So he is kind of out there doing random stuff. He's like a gladiator. He he does duelist stuff. Uh, he likes the political intrigue, but he would rather be playing For Honor in real life. <sighs> he mains Peacekeeper. That's violent. <laughs> Vladimir wants him to take over governance of Arrakis, but he's not the proper age at the time of. The, he's like sixteen as well. Well, oh, so he's uh, like Paul's age. Yeah, he's Paul. Yeah, they're around the same age. Um, honorable mentions for the House of Harkonnen. Uh, Peter Devries. He could have just been Peter. No, it's spelled P-I-T-E-R, so I have to assume it was actually Peter. But both of the movies have pronounced it as Piter, so I have to assume that Frank Herbert's was in- intention was that his name is Piter DeVries. <sighs> he is Vlad's personal mentad assistant. Just, ah. just like Atreides has Thufir Hawat, the Harkonnen have Piter DeVries. The names are killing me. The difference is uh, Piter was a mentat trained in torture instead of math. 
So he knows every single ounce of the human body that feels pain, and he knows how to make you feel the most pain possible. And he likes doing that a lot. He's he's on the same wavelength as Vlad, except he also knows that Vlad's secretly planning to kill him as soon as he outlives his usefulness. He just don't care. As long as he has the opportunity to do what he loves best, torturing, he'll continue to make himself useful to Vlad. That's fine by him. On to House Corino, the last house we're going to cover. They're the current rulers of the Empire, and they've been that way for 10,000 years. They're okay. They're not actively malicious. They, like, they're not doing Harkonnen things where they're squeezing people dry for all their money. They're not like maliciously using their power over people. But if you try to take their seat at the Emperor, they will do whatever they can to make you not. Do 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 what we need to kind of thing. I, I get it, I get it. Yeah, yeah. They're just like, just don't threaten me and we're good. Yeah. Their homeworld is technically Seleucus Secundus, but Seleucus Secundus is like the Australian outback in space. There's a bunch of deadly animals, weird beasts, and the environment wants to kill you too. So they moved the entire royal family and everybody important to a different planet called Kaitane. And that one's not described very well, so we're not going to talk about it anymore. Seleucus Secundus is now a prison planet where they train the largest and most powerful standing army the universe has seen. Oh. oh Yeah. Called the Sardaukar. Okay. They're they're deadly. Like, if you hear the Sardaukar mentioned in the books or the movies... It's a big deal. Oh, it's like hearing the CIA was involved. Yeah. It's like, little Timmy won his game of rock, paper, scissors with the CIA's help. Whoa, what did they do? Yeah. How how did he win this match of rock, paper, scissors? Precisely. (laughs) I'm so so sorry. I'm just imagining rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Bam. (laughs) Just, just bam. And then it just, it just cuts, it just cuts to your friendly CIA agent. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yes, the start of car is that big of a deal. So I got it right, good. (laughs) Jesus Christ. No, you must understand it's like rock, paper, scissors, and then the visceral sound of a Barrett 50 cal <laughs> and a child going. <laughs> That's the startup car for you. <laughs> so the two living members of of the Carino family that are important to the story are uh, the Padi Shah Emperor Shaddam Carino IV. That's his full title. That's his full title and name. Technically, it's kind of stupid because Padisha is a real word that translates to emperor. So it's Emperor, Emperor, Shaddam Karino IV. That's like the God Emperor. It just makes you look cooler. Yeah. He's, again, just okay. Mm -hmm. Not good, not bad. Eh. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't want to lose his seat at the emperor. That's that's all he wants. Um, He considers... Speaking of ridiculous names for royalty, we're going to touch on this as the credits roll, but he does not come close to the goat of absurd names. Oh, God. Uh, I'll get... We'll, we'll get to the credits this later. Roll, we'll get to this later. Go on. He's, he considers uh, Leto a friend, and he really wants to not have to kill him, 
which is driving force bef- like right before like there are some other side spin-off books where it's written about some discussions between the two of uh uh, uh Shaddam talking to Leto and saying hey can you calm it down a little bit like they're you're getting a little too much power and like you know I have my reputation to keep but I don't want to off you or anything can you fair. just calm it down fair, 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 fair. unfortunately he's not calming down so it <gasps> Things are looking grim. Um, and then there's Princess Irulan Carino. She's actually pretty cool. She's really, really nice. She's really peaceful. She advocates for peace wherever she can. Um, she's extremely educated. And she's at least a little bit trained in some of the Bene Gesserit's abilities. So she can kind of use the voice and she can read people really, really well. She mostly uses the reading people really, really well. She doesn't like using the voice a lot, so... Is she a Benny Gesser or is she just trained in their ways? <clears throat> um, technically she is, but also the Benny Gesserit want to use her as a tool. But they do that with everybody. So it's like Fair. she's kind of their double agent because she is a royal, which they want to use, but she's also a Benny Gesserit who is kind of a force for what they're doing. So she's like So is she in on it or is she not? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. She like poor Eorlon gets kind of like dragged around to what everybody else wants to do. Fair, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, so she's just kind of caught in the crossfires. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, with all of those characters established, we get into the current events of Dune. As I mentioned, House Atreides, big standing in the lands red. They're becoming a problem. Becoming. To try to prevent Leto from gaining an even greater political power over him and taking over, Emperor Shaddam re- really reluctantly enters into an agreement with the Harkonnen to grant the Atreides fiefdom of Arrakis not as a good thing, as a trap. Yeah. Um, just before moving over, Leto's son Paul starts having vivid dreams of Ar- Arrakis, never having been there, and a mysterious girl. As well as endless bloody war. A lot of war. Well, I was going to say Zendaya for the girl, but never mind. <laughs> I don't know about the bloody war. Um, a top-level Benny Gesserit named Gaius Helen Mohayim comes to visit him in the middle of the night and tests his humanity humanity <laughs> with the trial of the Gom Jabbar. The Box of Pain. The Box of Pain, where she holds a deadly poisoned knife at his neck. He experiences the most pain a human has ever experienced across the entirety of the universe. The most pain ever experienced by a person. By by a person. Ever. Jesus. It... I thought it was just, like, bad. I thought it was, like, my hand being sawn off. No, 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 no. It, it is... Gaius Mahal... Gaius Helen Mohayim... She's got a weird name. Gaius Helen Mohayim inflicts upon him... The most pain a human has ever experienced. It takes it out of her. She gets tired after doing this to him. Oh, oh, she's using her power to do it. She's oh, using her power to do it. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's I thought the, the box was doing it's it. It's a little both. Nah, like teamwork. the Benny Gesserit's powers are a little mix of just like uh, uh, psychological, like uh, 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 misleading and 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 coding and weird space magic. It's never really clear. And co- okay, whatever. Keep and on. Coke, yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of space Coke. Okay. It's a little of all three. Um, 
he succeeds. He doesn't die. And he's therefore declared a human by the Bene Chesserit. So this is kind of his uh, official induction into their, their ranks. Do all of them have to go through this level of pain and suffering? Or is it just Paul? Thing? No, Paul is just... Oh, because he's a guy and they're all girls. Fair. <clears throat> well, well, kind of. More, he's just that guy and he just doesn't know it yet. Mm. Like, like him being born as a guy... When I say it screwed up the Bene Gesserit's plans, I mean, like, they had been breeding for a guy for tens of thousands of years, and it came way too soon. We'll get into this later. He's, like, special in a weird way. Oh, so they rushed the end, or she rushed the she ending. She rushed the ending. Mm. Um, he succeeds, anyway, and the old Bene Gesserit starts talking to him about these weird dreams he's been having, asking him, how do they feel? Because if they feel too real, we need, to t- we need to figure this out. And, you know, he just tells her about everything. And she's like, okay. Okay. And just as quickly as she came, she leaves. But on her way out the door, she scolds Jessica, saying, you were supposed to bear a daughter. What is this crap? Oh. Why'd you give us a guy? You've accelerated our plans. This was not the thing you needed to do. I get it. You wanted the chosen one, because that's what they were going for. But, like, this isn't it. Come on. Really? We were waiting a little bit. After all this, they finally move to Arrakis, try to adapt. It's not a fun time. Most of the equipment used for spice mining there is decrepit, old, or actively sabotaged by the Harkonnens, who just left. As well as several assassination attempts against Leto and Paul. With a significant one being like a weird tiny drone attempting to stab Paul through the head. Oh. He catches it with his bare hands. Oh, so he's that guy. He is that guy. He is that guy. Um, the Fremen, who are the native people of uh, Arrakis, they've been there for a long, long, and co. long time. Len- Zendaya and co, yes. Um, they, for some reason, just happen to have a deep reverence for Jessica and Paul as soon as they touch down on the planet. Referring to him, like literally shouting, they can hear it through the ship's walls as they're landing, shouting, calling him the Lisan al-Gaib, which is basically Messiah. They're saying, the Messiah is coming. And Paul is like, why are they calling me the Messiah? And Jessica's like, because the Bene Gesserit have been coding them for some weird chosen one thing for tens of thousands of years. Yeah, they've been they've been doing work. The program they've been calling it they've been calling this program the Missionaria Protectiva. That's an important thing. It comes up several times. I get it. These names are all dumb. As an aside, as a Warhammer nerd, and I'm now learning about Dune. I hate the way sci-fi names things. It's all just Latin. It's all terrible. It's all terrible and all just Latin. Yeah. Anyway. After they finally land and they're getting used to all this stuff, assassination attempts, figuring it out, they go on a mission to check on some spice harvesters because they're worried they've been sabotaged and they're trying to show the emperor this. So they call down an agent and say, can you help us take a look at these spice harvesters? Literally on that mission, a spice harvester fails as a sandworm is coming to come eat it. It is not good. Really not good. So they do a whole rescue mission because, you know, Leto is the heroic type. He's got to save everybody on that harvester. He does. But Paul is exposed to more spice than he ever has ever. And it causes his visions to like 
materialize when he's awake instead of sleeping. Mm. Like he starts seeing the weird war thing, the weird girl he's never met before. And he's on Arrakis. So he's not seeing visions of Arrakis. So the war is stronger. Like he keeps seeing the war. He's not having fun with it. It ends up awakening some like weird, like he feels different after this. This is such a weird mind altering experience that he's not the same after this. He feels way different. Um, Leto finally saying that this is malicious. This is, this is a trap. This is for sure a trap. Wait, this is all happening while it's ha- the, the attack is happening on the harvester? No, 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 no. Okay. After the harvester. Okay. After the harvester, he's like, we're set. we've been set up. Oh, okay. This is, they're going to kill us. He attempts everything he can to try to fortify himself against the obviously incoming attack, including sending Duncan Idaho off to chat with the Fremen, say, hey, can we band together because we're about to both get assaulted by the Harkonnen and the way they treated you I didn't like that if we can somehow resist them then I will give you the best treatment you've ever had in your lives uh it goes really slowly because the Fremen are kind of they don't like outsiders for very good reason the the last hotel is interacted with were the Harkonnen the Harkonnens were not good to them they were very very bad to them um, it eventually comes to it. All of the things they try either happen too slowly or don't happen at all. And the Harkonnen come with an all out attack on the capital city of Arrakis, Arakin. Simple name. I get it. But I mean, it, it's very easy to keep track of. Dr. Yue betrays Leto. Ooh, I thought they weren't supposed to do that. They weren't supposed to do that. Somehow, somehow it happens. Piter tortures him. Piter tortures him and then takes his wife and then says, you're going to work for us or we're going to really torture your wife. Ooh, yeah. So great. UA uh, betrays Leto saying he has my wife. I, I had no other option, mm. but as a final, like I swear to God, I, this, they, they tortured the crap out of my wife. I, I had to do this. I had no other option. He gives Leto a poisoned tooth that will, upon being bitten, release a lot of toxic gas. Like, frankly, astounding amount of toxic gas. And he says, the Baron's going to get cheeky. He's going to get in your face. As soon as he does, bite that. It'll deal with all of our problems. Mm. Yeah, I get mm. it. It seems very sketchy, especially since he's already been broken once. Um, Paul and Jessica are on the opposite end of Arakeen. They've also been betrayed by UA. He gave them a melatonin, advanced melatonin, basically, and they are conked out. Prestige melatonin. Prestige melatonin. They are conked out, but they're, Jessica is waking up just to see the Baron walk into the room and taunt her saying, ha ha, I got your, I got your husband. I got your planet. Ha 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 ha. It is, and she's got, she's got a gag because obviously if she didn't, she'd be able to use the voice. She's just, he's just like, I bet you want to tell me what to do right now, don't you? You can't do it. You can't do it. Because <laughs> that's what the Baron is like. Um, he then sends them out into the desert because the Bene Gesserit wouldn't allow him to kill either her or Paul. But the way he gets around that, he says, if I drop you in the desert and the desert kills you, it wasn't me that killed you. I didn't kill you. So I didn't, the desert killed you. Mm-hmm. There we go. 
and then they get flown off in a ethopter ornithopter. I love a good loophole. A good, good legal loophole is always good. A tasteful loophole. The Duke is brought over to the main hall to meet with the Baron, and the Baron taunts him as well with one final speech about victory over a nice meal. The Baron floats over to the Duke, stares him in the face, and gloats, finishing only to direct Piter over to work his torture magic on him. And in that moment, in his groggy, drugged-up state, the Duke mistakes Piter for the Baron and bites down on the poison tooth. Yeah. releasing a blast of toxic gas directly into Piter's face, killing him instantly. But the Baron has survived. Injured, ah. hurt, but he's alive. So he gets to go on living, and the Duke is now dead. As well as Piter de Vries, which is a key thing in mm, the Baron's plans. Nice. No longer have... At least you've got one less issue. Torture McGee running around. Flashing back to over to Jessica and Paul, they managed to escape the Thopter that they were being taken out on, Paul finally masters the voice for half a second, just enough to tell some guy to like take the gag off my mom, and then she takes over. <laughs> so, yeah, because she's obviously a lot better at this oh, than he yeah. is. Um, but now both of them are stranded in the desert. Oh, that's rough. Luckily, though, Doctor Ua was not a complete traitor. Like I said, he was just doing it to save his wife, and his final action for the two of them—final action, I mean. As soon as he asked the Baron for his wife back, or he li- he asked the Baron, and I directly quote, take me to my wife. And Baron said, okay. And killed him. And he killed him. So, yeah, his last action was he left the two of them a survival kit in stashed in the ornithopter for them, and they put on the weird, like, still suits. The fun, like, I preserve my water suits. And they go off into the desert, hoping to find Duncan Idaho, because he was still out trying to get the Fremen on their side. And he's exposed to even more spice, which continues to mess with his brain even further. Now, instead of just having visions, he's getting the full-on weird prescience that the... the, um, the spacing guild gets where they get to see through time Ooh, for just a good. second, except he's like in a state of it Ooh. and he can't just see through space. He can see through all of time too. In fact, he can see so f- he, he sees the entire life and times of every single one of his ancestors for a second, Ooh. finding out that he's the grandson of Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, Jessica is the illegitimate daughter of Harkonnen, or Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. And this <sighs> realization... so much inbreeding. This is royals. This is royals. At least this old school royals. shocks him so deeply to his core that he breaks down. Because just after having this realization, yet more vivid images of war dro- just dropped into his head. And again, he's being continually exposed to the spice. He's in the middle of the desert where it's being produced. He's not escaping these visions. Mm-hmm. And he just breaks down crying in his mom's arms because he can't handle it. It's too much for him. And in this weirdly strong strait of prescience, he reads his mom's mind, figuring out exactly what she's going to say in every moment. And she has the thought, oh God, he is the chosen one. The Kwisatz Haderach. Bless you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Again, silly titles. If I remember correctly, 
that is, again, it's a real set of words that just translates to the bridge. What the Bene Gesserit were trying to do was they were trying to... They were basically trying to get the whole see-through time thing. And the way they were going about that was, we can see our ancestors' memories if we get high enough on spice, but we can't see any of the memories of the guys. So mm. how do we do that? Well, let's just breed a bunch of royals and then eventually have a guy who has the strongest genetics ever and maybe he'll be able to see them. Maybe he'll be able to tolerate the weird spice high and see through all of the guy's memories. That would be the chosen one. Jessica in that moment goes, oh God, yes he is. And yes he is. Hmm. Yeah, so that's a fun thing that happens in the middle of the desert while he breaks down crying. Um, Eventually after this subsides, daybreak comes... Idaho finds them, takes them to a hidden place to meet with safety, safe harbor. And this doesn't last long because the starter car just find them. He cannot catch a break. He cannot catch a break. The starter car find them. They kill Duncan Idaho while Paul watches. And they're trapped back into the desert to try to evade capture and death. Eventually, they find the Fremen again. The Fremen are not nice to them at first. Poor Jason Momoa, by the way. Yeah, poor Jason Momoa. I was hoping he'd get paid for a little bit more than Rest that. in peace, Jason Momoa. Go on. They encounter the Fremen again, but the Fremen, because they're really... It's the middle of a really hot desert. They have, they have a religious reverence for water, including... If they see somebody out in the middle of the desert and they're like, oh, you're just a lost pup, they will kill you for your water. Oh, wow. They will kill you and they will drop you into a pit and wait for your water to leak out of you. And then they'll drink you. Yeah. So they're like, well, you guys are useless. We're just going to drink you. Until uh, Jessica and Paul show them hey we actually can fight and also we're like trained in ways where we can read your mind and see exactly what you're doing they're the best for honor players they make the best reads (laughs) they eventually beat the crap out of the fremen and show them we are useful take us to your home and we will help you out if you help us out later some of them take this very well including the leader of the group stilgar he's a recurring character remember him uh, one of them does not, because Paul, a 15-year-old, just kind of like tosses him to the side. Just, ah, get out of my way. This guy is Jamis. Jamis challenges him to a duel, and just after realizing that he's the chosen one, his grandfather is his sworn enemy, and again, still being tortured with constant images of war, Paul has to kill his first guy in a duel to the death. He wins, not feeling any joy about it, and he leaves extremely sad. That is where the first half of the book ends, and where we'll be up to speed for Dune Part 2. I can see, first of all, I can see why that's a three-hour movie already. Wow. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm so frustrated. Why are you so frustrated? Because it's a good... I'm, I'm invested now. It is really when good, Lado right? When dies... Oh, God. The Harkonnens are terrible. Yeah, the Harkonnen... They're terrible. There's a lot that I have to... There's a lot that I can't mention about the Harkonnen. Mm-hmm. Like, 
It's similar to our like Slanesh videos. Ah. Where they're like real bad. Oh, that does not surprise me and at all. And I can't talk about every like little piece of bad. Patreon episode someday, probably. Patreon episode someday. Mm-hmm. But if you want. Let's just say, let's just say for the simplicity's sake, Baron Harkonnen shares a couple traits with like uh, I don't know, a Harvey Weinstein. That's enough of a description. Yeah. That's enough of a description. Now that we have summed up everything up to Dune Part 2, let's watch the trailer for Dune Part 2. The trailer for Dune Part 2. The trailer for Dune Part 2. Okay. A live reaction. When you see sand here, imagine water. If you dive in. It's coarse and rough. You dive in. Yes, it's called swimming. (laughs) I I don't believe you. In the shadows of Arrakis lie many secrets, but the darkest of them all may remain. If you can't figure out. The end of House Atreides. Oscar Isaac got a hell of a trim for this movie, by the way. Jesus has got a powerful beard. Jesus has got a powerful beard. Still alive. Don't try to impress anyone. My favorite. You're brave. We all know that. Be simple. It's a collapsing dune. No, it's not just a collapsing dune. So I love how in all these trailers, it's always like the no-name characters who are covered head to toe, but like Zendaya and Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> well, that's not a no-name character right there. That's still there. Yes, but it's just so... F- oh, dang. God, I hate... Why does Hollywood love that, like, helicopters in formation shot? They stuck it into Dune? I hate that shot so it's just so overplayed. Jeez. We gave them something to hope for. That's not hope! May thy knife chip and shatter. I there's listen, it's probably gonna be good, don't get me wrong. But the only criticisms I have of this trailer are it leans so aggressively heavily into every Hollywood trope ever. I mean, they kind of right. They like, kind of have to. I'm gonna be overly mean here. Just, just, just. I need to get this off my chest. First of all, the we paid for Tom, we paid for uh, Timothy and Zendaya, so we have to you show their face. You were about to say Tom Holland, and I think that's hilarious. Yeah, we paid for them. No, so I would have- love to see a version of the Dune movie with Tom Holland as Paul mm. instead of Timothy. Chalamet, <laughs> and he's making Spider-Man quips. Oh Jesus! Oh, I'm sure somebody can mash that together. And then the the five helicopters in formation towards the sunshot, but it's like five. What would you call them? Ornithopters. Ornithopters. And I'm like, why? It's so forced. It's so forced. And then the generic desert vibes music <laughs> that's used in everything <laughs> since the early 2000s. Whenever we shot anything in the desert. 
It's always someone just belting someone out. I'm over a drone. Sake, no, John Wick 4, I'm going to spoil it for you, opens with a desert scene with that same soundtrack because it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. Other than that, movie is probably going to be great. Trailer feels generic. Oh, it, trailer. Like, you could tell does, me that's it, for a different movie. You could, like, shop around some things and that's a different trailer. Yeah. It does establish some key moments that I really like. You know nothing about this. Oh, I know. The, the, it, it's a different vibe. I'm usually the one lecturing you. Now it's. You know flipped. nothing about what's happening at that trailer, mm-hmm. but there are little lore bites in that. Well, not lore bites, but little moments that you see in the second half of the book that I'm like, oh, they're doing that? So. What I'm, what I'm hearing is there's going to be another Dune episode, probably. Oh, probably. Again. Because this only covered the history and mm-hmm. the first half of the first book. Mm-hmm. That is the second half of the first book. Yeah. I think the people are going to vote for it. I'll be honest, though. It's ultimately up to them if they think they can go another episode without <laughs> my overwhelming fountain of charisma. Ugh. I just I don't know if they can survive. But if they can go another week without it, we could get another Dune episode. It's it's up to the people though. We run a democracy here. Ugh. Well, in, in, it's not quite a democracy because some people's votes. It, it's a, it, it, it's a representative democracy. I would, I would love to do another Dune video later on. Um, let me do a little bit more rating. I would love to do a d- video on God Emperor because it sounds familiar. <laughs> hilariously similar. Mm-hmm. The, the most insane, weirdest stuff happens in this book. Okay. The weirdest things happen. And I would love to do, maybe not like an analysis, but just like a, let's chat about this. This is weird. I just need to, I just need to vent this weird at somebody else. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll definitely see one. Before we go though, I need to share this because it's going to kill me if I don't. When you mentioned absurdly long royal titles, it reminded me of my favorite one, which is Idi Amin's Ugandan Dictator. His full title is His Excellency President for Life, Field Marshal Al-Hajj Dr. Idi Amin Dada, VC, DSO, MC, Lord of all the beasts on the earth and fishes of the seas and conqueror of the British Emperor in Africa in general and Uganda in particular. (laughs) That was his full title. That he gave himself. And fun fact, it's not even that long. Because Prince Philip's, may he rest in peace, has a longer one. His is 130-something words. Yeah, it is. Oh, God. Are we going to recite this whole thing? I need to. I need to share this. It is. It's going to be difficult. His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Marioneth, Baron of Greenwich, Royal Knight of the Most Noble Order of the Garter, Extra Knight of the Most Ancient and Most Noble Order of Thistle, Member of the Order of Merit, Grand Master and First Principal Knight, Grand Cross of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, Knight of the Order of Australia, Additional Member of the Order of New Zealand, Extra Companion of the Queen's Service Order, Royal Chief of the Order Logahue, Extraordinary Companion of the Order of Canada, Extraordinary Commander of the Order of Military Merit, Lord of Her Majesty's Most Honorable Privy Council, Privy Counselor of the Queen's Privy Council for Canada, Personal Aide de Comte to Her Majesty, Lord High Admiral of the United Kingdom, Prince Philip, was his full sitting title. That is so stupid, and I was counting your breaths, and it was more breaths, it, it was more breaths 
in that name than I could count on my hands. Yes. When your title is so long that you cannot say it in one breath, what's the point? He earns them. He was, okay. He lived for damn near a century. He, every single one, from what I understand about the royals is they get them as they go. So he started as Prince Philip and then just kept going and going. Going and go. It's like how um, you can be given OBE. Um, so it's like it's like uh, for example, you'll find a lot of very notable British actors get OBE after their names. It's mm-hmm. a title. It's a full blown title. Uh, it's oh, I'm gonna get killed. I should know this. Uh, Order of the British Empire. Isn't that isn't that that's knighthood, right? No, it's not knighthood. It's uh. different from knighthood. It's a it's a whole thing. You can earn so many titles if you live long enough. Mm. Uh, do you mind fact checking me on that? I believe it's OBE. Yeah, um, but it's OBE. There's other. There's Commander of the British Order Empire uh, or CCBE. I think it, Idris Elba has one of them. Mm. We're getting out of my sphere of influence. But more of the story is you can earn so many titles. It's That's hilarious. Hilarious. And Prince Philip had quite a few from his time on Earth. In fact, a hundred and thirty-three. And so when you said that, I simply had to share that fact because I couldn't die without you people knowing this. The emperor just has two and it's just emperor, emperor, mm-hmm. Padishah emperor. Mm-hmm. And he Shaddam Karino the fourth. Yes, I am correct. It is order of the British empire. Aha. Ugh. It's nice having a live fact checker. It really is. Ugh. Thank you. But thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the podcast. We do appreciate it. The names you've been seeing scroll by have been our wonderful patrons. Uh, dare I say the saints walking this earth as I speak. Uh, if you want to join them, please head on over to patreon.com. Without them, this isn't possible. It, it boggles the mind and I'm beyond blessed. We are beyond blessed to have people like you in the comments, in the Discord, in the Patreon, and... I just want to thank them and and you guys too. It's a it's a team effort. We tend to move as a legion here, which is kind of why the name exists. Mm-hmm. Actually, there's another reason behind why I chose the number eleven, but uh, I'll explain that someday. We'll earn that lore someday. He knows and he hates it, but I quite like God. it. It's very fun. Ah, but you thank you. You feel so cute, don't you? Oh, oh, one million percent. Oh, one million percent. And oh. they're gonna get it someday. When they when they uncover this when, when, when you're older, we'll tell you. When Sonny. you're older, we'll tell you. Yeah, but with the way we move, we're gonna shatter that ten thousand goal. Uh, we're gonna shatter that five hundred goal on Patreon. And thank you all for everything you do. We will see you on Wednesday for the Patreon episode, and next Saturday for the regular episode.